Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Bear Down Nation? What is up, Believers? And most importantly, what is up, Grandma? I know you just found out about podcast and this one in particular, so I'm very excited that you'll be listening tonight. I am Cameron Lee. And I am Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode, Grandma, is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The wait is finally over and football is back. Now, look, you might not be able to go to the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline.ag. For example, maybe throw a little cash down on the Bears plus three to win this weekend. And from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always, always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Cameron, we got some football this weekend. What are we going to talk about today on the pod? We got to just break down this matchup. We've got football coming back. Bears, Lions, week one. I am excited. It's been entirely too long. Joey, I just I just want to dive deep. I want to talk about everything. You know, we've been talking and salivating, you know, for for any about a football and we just keep talking about the quarterback battle and we talk about you know david montgomery is he going to be healthy is he going to take the leave all these things and now we get to just focus on an opponent because we've just been we've been tearing the bears apart for the last what's it been it's been a month now of just tearing the bears apart and now let's uh let's sink our teeth into some lions we've been in the lab with a pen and a pad and speculation is over my friend because it is finally here first off also Chiefs and Texans played some football tonight. Just first blush thoughts on uh, football back in action against those two teams. My f- initial reaction was how weird it was seeing those guys, those teams take the field to Arrowhead Stadium. And it's, you know, there are fans there. I'm not sure what they said the capacity was, but it's not many. There's weird spaces in between people. It's not loud at all like Arrowhead Stadium is. And I thought it was cool. I felt like we were hearing more of the more of the talk and communication down on the field. The Chiefs looked very good, uh, played a very clean game. Texans looked all right, but uh, still definitely some issues getting their man, Deshaun Watson, protected up front. What did you see? Uh, what did you take away from this very first uh, bit of football that we've had for this year? Breaking news, Cameron. Patrick Mahomes is still good. <laughs> Seen. My favorite part about the beginning was I was just thinking about you, honestly, in the first couple of plays because I wanted to see how – the offensive and defensive line look see who was firing off hard first, you know, who was ready to get really into that action because I can only imagine, you know, they're going through as many live simulated game situation as they can to get that feel of it. But without any preseason for any single NFL player, I was kind of looking at seeing what those first couple of plays looked like the Texans got a nice push. I felt like in the first couple of rounds, first couple of drives, David Johnson got things going, but Kansas city chiefs, they're going to score a lot of points they're going to have to make mistakes to lose games this year. They're still really good. And they covered that plus nine and then some. They look great. I think, uh, I think they're going to be a safe bet uh, for the majority of the season. I like, I like a lot of what we're seeing out of Kansas city. So I'm going to say that it's, they're going to be a safe bet to roll with the defending champs for a while now. And we also got some more news today. And this one just, I had to sit down after I read it because David Montgomery is a full participant in practice today. Looks like he's steering, nearing towards playing week one. Cameron, we've been we've been on this roller coaster now for a couple of weeks, and I don't know about you, but I want to get off. Just let me, just, <laughs> just get me to Sunday. 
I was so excited when I heard that David Montgomery was a full participant in today's practice that I shot up so fast that I strained my groin and then I fell down and uh, they had to get a cart. I was actually at work and, and a cart came and it took me home. But uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty serious. My groin is, I'm icing that baby right now. You're waving people around in traffic because you're on a cart going 15 miles. Now go around, <laughs> go around, no bumps. We're going over no speed bumps. And as we talked on the previous pod, I think we both were in agreement that it would have been the smart, prudent idea to probably hold him out week one. That isn't look like that's, that's not going to happen. Looks like he's going to play, but I want to ask you, cause I still feel like, I feel like we should protect this guy. The last thing I want to hear three or four weeks from right now is, you know, Dave Montgomery's groin is still affecting him a little bit. We need this guy at 100%. I mean, if he's out there, great, but I hope he's not getting, you know, 15, 20 touches in the game. How do you feel? No, I definitely agree with that. Even if he is healthy enough to be a full participant in today's practice, I still want them to baby David Montgomery a little bit. And it's going to be tough because heading into week one, I really just want to see the Bears come out and establish a run game and establish some sort of identity and just kind of get those bread and butter run plays that we want to see the Bears be able to run and execute. So you kind of want them to do that. You want to see them lean on their workhorse in Montgomery. But at the same time, we don't want to see him get hurt. We don't want to see him get overworked. And so they may kind of turn to some of that more gimmicky stuff that tends to be uh, the case oftentimes for for Matt Nagy offenses, oftentimes early in the season, uh, where they they just seem to dig a little bit deeper than you would think when they, uh, you might just want them to just scratch the surface and just see if they can just run the ball, period. So we're kind of in an interesting position with that one. But if I'm were in charge of the Chicago Bears, which I'm not. But if if they're interested, I'm I'm available. We're a package deal. I, I come with. What you. let's just say in the event that we did get hired, what positions are we taking on in the Bears organization? What are we most qualified to do? You just put me in the PR. You put me in the general manager's sweet booth, and I just cover I cover for you, and I I get fired first before you do. How do you feel? About I actually that? think that's probably the best place for you. I'd like to think that you and I might. Might be the the guys for like maybe some social media, you know. Put us in there. Let us fire up some tweets. I've got some funny things to say. You know, you've always got a, a got a good joke prepared. I'd say let us let us run the the social media for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, we're here to answer your questions. We're here to solve your problems. And problem number one on the menu for the Bears in Week One is the Detroit Lions. We've been spending so much time talking about these Bears. Maybe let's spend a little time on these Lions for a second. Coming into the season. A dark horse candidate among many national pundits to perhaps win the NFC North. Maybe we could start here. I'm still looking at that defense. They did quite an overhaul free agency-wise. We've talked about the loss of Darius Slay. Akuda's in there in his place. A lot of new guys. Jamie Collins is in the fold now. This defense was pretty bad last year. You do think, though, that the Bears could maybe take advantage of this revamped Detroit Lions defense. Definitely. I definitely think that that is something that the Bears can do. If they are looking to get their offense established, this is probably a solid defense to to go out and do that against. And one of the important things to note about the uh, Lions defense is how poor of a pass rush they got last year. One of the worst teams when it come, came to sacks and defensive line production last year. And I think that's a big part of why Mitchell Trubisky was successful against this team last year. You know, if they're not getting after him, if he's able to set back in the pocket and set his feet and go through his full progression, he showed that he can be an okay quarterback. Uh, I think that will probably be the case again this year. 
you know, they did go out and make some improvements a little bit here and there. Obviously, the addition of a Jamie Collins is important, a Desmond Trufant is important, but I still don't see guys that are going to be really getting after the quarterback and scaring this team. Although the the Bears have, you know, had their offensive line struggles, I think that they should be okay and should be all right to, to get the offense rolling. Five career games against the Lions. Trubisky has thrown 11 touchdowns, averaging 271 passing yards a game. And last year, that Detroit defense gave up 29 passing touchdowns. They gave up the third most passing yards to quarterback, six most fantasy points to quarterbacks. And it's all sort of there out on the table for the Bears to get off a good start offensively and make some things happen. My question is, with Trubisky in the first quarter, you know, you do want to establish the running game a little bit, but aren't you kind of looking at maybe seeing what the new toys Jimmy Graham could possibly do? Maybe Allen Robinson. What, what kind of approach do you think we might see in the first quarter from the bears? You know, obviously I want to see that. I want to see the progression that we, that apparently must've happened if Mr. Trubisky was able to go out there and win this job. And I want to see him, you know, unleash some of these new toys and, and see him play and throw the ball all, all over the field. But you know, me, I'm an offensive lineman at heart, and the first thing I want to see is our ability to establish the run. And I'm not just saying that because I'm, you know, some conservative old man who's just pound the rock, pound the rock, run the ball, although I do feel that way. I feel that way because I think that that's going to ultimately help Mitchell Trubisky and this passing game get started. The ability to run the ball, the ability to uh, put defenses on their heels a little bit, not let them know what sort of you know, what to expect, I think is going to make a big difference in having to stop more than one part of this uh, this offense. You know, I think it, it will just really free things up. It'll free things up for play callers. It'll free things up for Trubisky. It'll get more guys open. It'll get people out of the box and spread out. And, and I just think that it will it'll open up everything. So I believe firmly in establishing the run game. And that's what I want to see them do first. Get the run game going, and then let's see with a with a more open and spread out field where they got to cover more dynamic uh, parts of the offense then let's see him air it out a little bit attack that secondary because i do think they're vulnerable but it all starts with the run game up front i'm with you but give yourself some credit you say pound the rock and the nerds are right there with you because there's a stat running around the nation today that mitchell trubisky averaged 2.36 seconds in the pocket last season that was good for 29th in the nfl you know, that is below average in terms of making decisions once the ball is hiked. Trubisky, we all know, needs to make a little progress offensively. Maybe if you gave him, you know, that extra 0. 0.5, 0. 0.7 seconds to make a decision, it looks like he's able to be successful. And I'm with you with the running game, too. And what's interesting is the Detroit Lions, in terms of stopping the run last year, weren't super great. And on top of that, stopping them, the running backs in the passing game, weren't successful either. They gave up the third most receiving yards in the NFL to running backs, seven receiving touchdowns. Quarterbacks completed 71% of their passes to running backs last year. So even if it's not the up-the-gut situation running the ball, I think there's an easy way to get Trubisky into a nice rhythm with some quick passes and make those linebackers go sideline to sideline and, you know, let's see if we can create our own space instead of, like you said, naggy, you know, gadgets and gimmicks to, you know, make space out of whole cloth. Yeah, definitely. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. We got to come out and establish the run. And this is a good team to do that against. We're going to continue to to hit on that all year. You will hear me say that way too much. You'll probably start to hate me for it. And that's OK. You'll keep listening. I appreciate you, Grandma. But anyway, establish the run, and it's going to open up the entire offense. That's what I believe is the key uh, for having a successful Mitchell Trubisky season. And I think the focus a lot of times for Bears fans is on that Detroit Lions offense. 
with Matthew Stafford back in the fold. You know, they have, we've talked about it, physical big receivers. Kenny Galladay, who ended up on the injury report today with a hamstring, just something to keep an eye on. And Marvin Jones, and they'll have running backs like Adrian Peterson and DeAndre Swift back there. You know, outside of Matt Stafford, which of those offensive weapons perhaps would scare you the most as someone scheming against the Detroit Lions? Beyond Stafford, and, and Stafford is obviously going to contribute to this, It's it's got to be Kenny Galladay. And that's an obvious answer, but Kenny Galladay has, even with a little bit of the hamstring tweak, has, has made himself into an elite force, a top-tier wide receiver. I think that this wide receiver group is good, is is very strong, and you know I think we're going to get the chance to see what this defensive secondary is all about for the Bears. Obviously, they've had some changes. They've gone through some transitions, and we're going to see some young players in some different spots. We're going to see some new veterans coming into the system. So I think that this is going to be a good matchup. It's going to be one to watch. You've got a tremendous wide receiver core for the Lions, a quarterback that was, you know, maybe maybe one of the three best quarterbacks in the league when healthy last year, going against a a pretty good Bears secondary, but definitely some new spots and new guys in there sort of trying to stake their claim in this defense. So I think that is the matchup to watch, and Kenny Galladay is obviously going to be a big part of that for the Lions. Which makes you think about Bears on third downs, trying to get them off the field. Third and long situations, can our pass rush get home, make things happen? I'm super glad you didn't say the Lions running backs because I would have I would have thought you might have lost your mind for a second there. Real fun stat, Cameron, and it's the stat that I think is pretty well known, but for all you Detroit Lions fans listening out there, I just want to hammer it in one more time. Do you realize that Barry Sanders, now we grew up you know, loving Walter Payton, I never really got a chance to see Walter Payton play. I do think Barry Sanders is the greatest running back I've ever watched in my life. He retired in 98. That was 22 years ago. The Detroit Lions, since then, have only had three different running backs run for a thousand yards in a season. And one of the guys did it twice. We all know that it hadn't been since 2004 when Reggie Bush somehow ran for a thousand yards in 2013. But since 98, they've had James Jimmy Stewart in 2000 and 2002 run for a thousand yards. Kevin Jones in 2004, Reggie Bush in 2013. My mic didn't cut out. That's the list. It's over. In 22 seasons. <laughs> Who knows what we're even going to see in that backfield and how those carries are going to be split up. But obviously the, the wide receivers, even you know the addition of Danny Amendola and TJ Hawkins in that passing game is really what to watch for. And just letting you know, Lions fans, the Bears have had 12 running backs run for 1,000 yards during that span. I'm just, just letting you know, you know, maybe Carlos Hyde ran for 1,000 yards last year. It's not that difficult, Motor City Kitties. It's not that difficult. Which brings us, <laughs> on, to, brings us on to the game at hand. And this is going to be a segment going to be featured here weekly on Believe in Bears. This is called Cam's Keys. Cam's Keys to the game to victory. And then we'll finally get into our final game predictions. But I want you to kick it off first, man. You know, we're each going to come up with three keys, three keys that we think Bears fans should be watching during the game, that if we're doing that successfully, we have the keys in place to win the game. So what's your first key for week one versus the Lions? Yeah, so the first key that I've got to, to this big matchup, we got to get after Matt Stafford. We know how strong of a quarterback Matt Stafford is. We know that 
that is probably the one thing that the Lions can go into this game confident about is their ability to throw the ball downfield. Like we mentioned, those great wide receivers, uh, strong tight end and TJ Hawkinson. Matt Stafford is going to be is going to be a big playmaker at quarterback. So if we can do anything to disrupt his rhythm, we got to get after the quarterback. And the Bears, that's the one thing that we can count on as Bears fans is that we have that pass rush. So obviously we've hit on it plenty of times. If we've got a healthy group going in in uh, Hicks and Mack and Quinn, if they're all going, I liked our chances to get after that quarterback. And a big thing that will probably go, go uh, maybe a little under the radar uh, the Lions, their offensive line, you know, they're returning the left side of that offensive line. They've got a rookie uh, right guard. They've got a new, a veteran, but a, a but a on a new team at right tackle. Man, I was once a a rookie right guard going against Hakeem Hicks. I'm telling you, I'm sure Jonah Jackson is better than I ever was, but I just love the idea of week one. You know, first game of the year, we got this this poor kid Jonah Jackson, who I'm sure will go on to have a great career. But I like the idea of Akeem Hicks feasting on that young man and and stealing his lunch and stealing his lunch and, and getting after the quarterback. I think that the Bears are going to wreak a little bit of havoc up front, and that's going to be my first key. Hopefully, it also means that uh, T.J. Hawkinson maybe has to stay in the box a little bit longer to chip on Khalil Mack, because if that right side is as perhaps let's just say inexperienced in the Lions system as you say that it is, that could be a really interesting side of the football. My question for you. In terms of this key is, you know, if you were a coach just looking at, you know, where the Bears defense is at, playing the Lions, are you the type of guy that would not maybe bring any exotic blitz coverages in the first quarter or so? Would you maybe lean back on that and just let your horses try and run and get to the quarterback? Or would you maybe try and, you know, just flash a couple of things, a buster screen, you know, blitz here and there, maybe in that early first quarter? Would you wait a little bit? I'm the type of guy, I'm a little bit more conservative than that. I say kind of hold your cards a little bit closer to your chest. Let the boys get home. If the if the big boys can get home, then save that stuff. Save that stuff for down the road when you need it later in the game. Maybe disguise something or scheme something up. Bring something from out of the, you know, out of the box, obviously, if it's Buster Screen or whoever that may be coming down and playing at the line of scrimmage and, and getting in the backfield and, and making a big play. But I say early on, man, we are here to see Mac and Hicks and Quinn. That is what Bears fans want to see, getting after the quarterback, feasting. So I say dial up as much of that as possible. Yeah, maybe a little Roquan Smith in there too for good measure. Every once in a while with a little bit of that uh, immense speed that he has. A little, a little shimmy. Just a tiny little shimmy, a little quick flash. For me, my first key of the game, we're just going to hop back over the offense real quick, is you know we're just going to call it Nagy's 15 which is a term that you hear all the time throughout the NFL about how NFL teams will script their first 15 plays, coach them up, learn them, get them fine-tuned so they're ready to roll. I felt like that was something that was an epic failure last year, and I don't even think I'm overselling that concept. And we're talking about Trubisky trying to you know, rehab his career and become you know, the leader of the Bears that we hope that he is. And I think it starts in that first quarter, and I don't want to get it too ahead of myself. Now, Bears fans, don't get too down on yourselves if it doesn't go this way. But for me, I'm really looking at those first 15 plays. You know, how efficient, how crisp do we look? No penalties, please. No false starts. Get in and out of the huddle. And let's see if we can execute what's been on the game plan. And I think that, to your point, we've been talking a lot about Trubisky and confidence. And I keep thinking about that since you brought that up. Those first 15 plays could really be a huge 
pivotal moment in an early part of a game. I, I don't want to sound crazy about that, but do you think I could be onto something there about the Bears needing to get off to a good start? Absolutely. And like you said, every every coach schemes up and scripts up their first 15. And those first 15 are designed to get an offense in rhythm, to give a quarterback confidence, to just kind of get things going. And those are supposed to be not necessarily all bread and butter, but you know things that you understand and plays that just should work, that you don't have to question, that you don't have to worry about. So those first 15, I want to see this offense get off in, in a good rhythm. We've seen this offense sputter at the start before. They oftentimes, I think, in these past couple seasons in the Matt Nagy era, have gotten off to slow starts um, early in the season, especially offensively, especially last year, You know, not having any preseason. And this year, by default, it ended up happening again. So I will be a little curious to see how this team gets started on the offensive side of the ball. Hopefully, like we've kind of been hinting at for a while now we just want you to come out and just execute just execute whatever it is and i think that's got to be the plan moving forward and hopefully that they've got that solid 15 or so plays that is scripted and and things get going on the right foot when you're out there for those first couple of drives and those 15 plays how much of your ass gets chewed out by a coach as an offensive lineman for getting a false start in the first 15 Little ass, half ass, all ass. All ass. Yeah. All ass. Un- unacceptable, right? You know, that whole cost of doing business things we, talk- we talked about before, that doesn't fly in this situation, man. First 15, with everything scripted out. You know, the coach is talking about discipline, and we want to come out, we want to be sharp, we want to make sure that we're all on the same page, and you go out and get a get a flag early on in the game on that first drive, that first series, go ahead and kiss your ass goodbye. Cameron, your second key to a Bears victory this Sunday. You're going to feel like I'm repeating myself and like you've heard me say it all and you'll probably hear me say it again and again. We must establish the run. We must establish the run. Establishing the run is going to create offensive opportunities for this entire team. So, you know, let's not let's not make it any more than it needs to be. We don't know what we're getting at the running back position heading into week one. Are we going to see... Are we going to see a whole lot of David Montgomery? Are we going to see a lot of Tariq Cohen? Are we going to see newly converted running back Cordero Patterson? Is it Ryan Nall? We don't know what it is, but we have to come out and do something effectively in the ground game to create more lanes in the passing game, to create more opportunities for some of those new players. I just want to see the offense get the ball running and hit the ground rolling. Run, running, rolling, I, I think I've Running, rolling, all that. sprinting away all the way into the end zone. I'll take it however I can get it. I'm right there with you. And it would be nice, too, to maybe, you know, begin, like, putting the specter of play action back into our game plan, something that I don't think we were able to. What's, what is play action? Take it slow. Take it slow, <laughs> and we'll get there. And that was something also that seemed to disappear, too, as well. And, I mean... I'm just going to jump to my second key because they're ex- the exact same conversation that we're having. You're talking about the running game. You know, I'm going to call my second key is we're just going to call it second down. And I think that could probably can be considered on the defense and the offensive side from the defense. Obviously you want to do your business on second down because you want those third and longs to get to the quarterback, the pass rush like you talked about. But for me, second down on offense, we talk all the time about third down. We talk all the time. Don't, you know, why we always run, you know, and if these, schemes and these plays that Nagy are calling aren't working out on that first down. We've seen so many times, you know, Tariq Cohen gets the ball, you know, he's stuffed before he can even get to the second level. 
you know, we a yard or two second down, we try and make something happen and creates a third and long situation. I think we have to continuously keep manageable situations down in distance throughout this game. You're not always going to get it on first down because I'm with you. I think we should be establishing the run. I think running the ball on first down, I don't think, I think there's no harm in it. And I think it sets a tone and an attitude, but then conversely in that second down, we need to make the right calls, the right decisions, high percentage plays to either get us those first downs to get us out of the third down situation or keep us out of those third and longs because third and long, you know, third and seven, third and eight, that puts a lot of heat on the offensive lineman. You know, when it's a third and long situation, it just got to make the offensive lineman's job. You know, that's got to be the toughest moment for an offensive lineman. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head there. It doesn't get much harder than when the defense knows that you're dropping back to pass on those third and long situations. But more importantly, going back to what you said about, second down i believe in the sales industry we call that the follow-up <laughs> oh really so you, you, tell me a little bit more let me pull yes yeah, so, sweater so you go out there and and you really you kind of lay you plant the seed if you will you get those that first play first down oh hey look there's something here there might be something here the next play okay when you get the ball moving just a little bit more get into that third manageable uh, that's that's when things really start to roll. That's the follow-up, if you will. I love it. I love it. And I think if we're going to take some big play chances in this game, I would probably like to think that they would come either on first down or a third and short situation where we feel heat or maybe he sees, you know, single safety high, something along those lines. When you go for those deep passes on second down and they don't work out for you, well, it just turns into a third and eight situation. Situations I think we would like to keep Trubisky out of. So I'm looking at what Nagy dials up on second down. You know, even if it is run plays, you know, smart run plays, you know, you could throw the ball on first down, but we got to make sure that, you know, we're in second and six, we're in second and five, we're in third and four, we're in third and three. I think Trubisky can succeed with those down and distances. Anything further back, I, I kind of question. Yeah, what you're saying right now is really smart, and that's something that we need to look for as Bears fans in our quarterback play. We don't have a guy that's going to – take disadvantage situations and overcome them. So what the Bears offensively really need to do is mitigate risk and put Trubisky in positions to succeed. So you're mentioning third and short versus third and long. It's a big difference. That's how the Bears offensively need to scheme things out and how do they are going to attack defenses. They need to do it smart. They need to do it in a way that works with their offense in a way that doesn't put too much pressure on this unproven quarterback. And so that's mitigating risk as much as possible. Isn't it fair to say that those disadvantaged situations that you're talking about, you know, those third and longs, the guys that can do that on the regular, isn't that reserved for a special class of quarterback? And like, let's be fair to Trubisky here. I don't think we're asking him to do that. Now, if he was flashing those glimpses early on his career, that's where we would be like, wow, we might have a franchise quarterback. But when you're third and 11, and you think that your quarterback has, let's just say, a 60%, 70% chance of converting first down, that's reserved for a small few of quarterbacks in the league right now. Would you agree or disagree? Definitely. I mean, every single quarterback in this league is is talented to an extent, but there's only so many that we can go, hey, you know, your back's against the wall. No matter what happens here, I like our chances. I like you going out there and making a play in this tough situation. Those guys are few and far between, and they're the ones that – end up hoisting MVP trophies at the end of the season. And they're the ones that, you know, maybe go on to win a Super Bowl. And so in this situation, when we're talking about Mitch is not the worst type of person. We're just, he's not the type of guy that is ready and shown that he can overcome those situations with regularity, with any sort of 
the, the sort of thing that we want to put him in those situations frequently because we just don't have that sort of confidence yet. But, you know, that's that's the next step in the progression is to be able to to face those situations and overcome them a little bit more often, a little bit more often until all of a sudden, you know, that third and longs is not a big deal anymore. But right now, we just want him to to be able to come out of a third and long, you know, a couple times a game. But that's, like we said, it's, it's going to be a long road, but we're just hoping for a little progress each and every week. Yeah, and to be fair, I think this is what we're asking from the coaching staff where – you know, Trubisky doesn't have to be the most talented quarterback in the league to be successful. The coaching staff also has to put him in positions to succeed. And I, I think by doing that is just keeping him out of those situations where he has to really like read his second and third progression on a third 10 and 11 and try and force the ball in there when he necessarily shouldn't. I think we should be able to utilize all the wonderful things in Matt Nagy's scheme, which I think actually really thrives when it's six yards and in. I think that's when it really kind of opens up for him. You know, I think that's when he gets to kind of get a little gimmicky, a little gadgety. So I think it's fair to be accountable on both sides. And hopefully we get a chance to see that. Cameron, your next key to the Chicago Bears winning on Sunday. You know, now that I've hit on the running game, I'm going to go ahead and, and say, this is my follow-up. You know, we've talked about running game. you got to establish it. And then that gives you the opportunity to push the ball downfield and attack a secondary that is relatively unproven. You know, they traded away Darius Slay. There's a lot of moving parts there. You know, they've got this rookie in Akuda. It doesn't seem like he's the guy just yet. You know, Desmond Trufant is a new player in that system. So I want to see this team attack that secondary. That defense was not good. There will not be pressure. We should have time. I want to see them go downfield. Let's see if Allen Robinson can make big plays. Let's see an Anthony Miller. Let's see so whoever this, you know, these, these wide receivers are that are, are going to be these big play guys, whoever it may be. I want to see the bears take some chances. Once that, once that run has been established, I want to see them push the ball downfield. I want to see them challenge the secondary and I want to see them take a, take some risks, take some controlled, some controlled risks. That's a great call because you know Anthony Miller at times has had success against the Lions. Allen Robinson has had some big games against them, and also some solid games too as well. And you know the Lions gave up the third most receptions to wide receivers last year. They gave up the second most yards to wide receivers last year. I mean, it can be got. And you brought up an excellent point about Akuda now. This guy, third overall pick, could be an all-pro someday, but if you're going to face a guy, might as well be in his first NFL game week one. You know, if you were the coach, uh, you know, if you were scheming against the Lions, would you be attacking Akuda right off the bat no matter who, you know, whoever they put on him, A-Rob, Anthony Miller, would you try and go after the kid right away? Or would you maybe try and pick your spots and see if you can kind of maybe get him leaning one way and see if you can burn him big? Yeah, I'm not going to just go out there and say, oh, this is a rookie. Let's just throw at him because I, I don't I don't know that it's just that simple. I think it's more of a situation where you go out there and pick your spots and, and try and, and dial something up and get him get him out of position because a rookie's more likely to be out of position uh, because he's been set up and because he's been had, if you will, rather than just going out there and saying, oh, the, oh this is just – you know, he's he's just the vulnerable player. He's he's obviously not just going to be some vulnerable weak link out there. There's a reason they went out there and, and took him when they did. So I there will be times to attack Akuda, but it's not just go out there and just, just throw the ball that way willy-nilly. Out of the four players that we got, Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, Ted Gannon, you know what, I'm going to throw Darnell Mooney in there. And you can even add a wild card if you want Riley Ridley, Javon Wims. Who do you think is most likely – 
to catch that 65 plus yard touchdown if we can hit a home run ball who do you who do you like this sunday i'm gonna go with darnell mooney yes that's a great call i'm gonna i'm gonna go with darnell mooney i like his i like what i understand to be his role in this offense i liked some of the things that i've seen and heard about him coming out of camp and you know every now and then you gotta go with that guy that seems to be under the radar being a rookie being that we haven't had preseason games that we haven't seen a whole lot from this preseason I think a guy like that has an opportunity to to maybe snap. Sometimes we see those rookies come out and have that big start to the season, and I think that he's kind of in a good position to do so. So I, I would say uh, I would say Darnell Mooney would be my guy. Who do you like to to have that big play? Well, I love your call on Mooney because he's got great speed. No one's going to be really keying on him. And basically, with this question, I'm sort of just looking at you know who's running Taylor Gabriel's routes in this offense this season. And it always seemed like Gabriel was the deep threat uh, in the route tree among all the guys on the field. So I was going to say, Ted Ginn, we haven't heard a lot from him yet. Still think maybe the old guys got some gas left in the legs and those guys like Deshaun Jackson, they pop earlier on in the season and I could just see a random, you know, 59 yards, 65 yard touchdown catch. But I love the Darnell Mooney one too, as well, because I just think that he could, do so many interesting things in limited amount of snaps. Like I think his limited amount of snaps that he'll see, he can maximize in production. And I think Darnell Mooney could be a really interesting, learn that name bears fans, because I, I do think at some point this season, I think he'll come up with a couple of special plays. Definitely. He's going to be someone, I wouldn't be surprised if he is the guy that has four or five, just huge catches uh, that maybe, maybe he doesn't have a ton of catches per game, you know, don't expect him to come out there and, and have three, four, five catches per game. But if he has a catch here or there that goes for 50, 60 yards, don't be surprised by that. And my third key for the game, it was going to be something different um, until about two hours ago. I'm going to go special teams week one as one of my keys to victory. And here's why. We've been doing this the last several weeks. Everyone's been reading the news clippings on the internet about the quarterback competition, Dave Montgomery's injury, the tight ends, the defense resurgence. But you know what screws up a game better and faster than anything else on the planet? Special teams. Eddie Pinero on IR. He's not going to be kicking. Cairo Santos. And look, here's the deal. And this, is, uh, this affects Trubisky in our offense. And we saw it in the Rams game last year where if you don't have a kicker, granted we're kicking indoors at Ford Field, but if you don't have a kicker that can at least kick you a 48-yard field goal, you're in trouble. And it seems like at times, especially in that Rams game, you know, we push the ball, we push the ball, we're rolling on offense, we kind of get stood up a little bit. And you need those field goal kickers to come out and salvage those drives and come away with points and, and make the offense still feel like that they're achieving something, even though they do stall at that particular place. And, and personally, I really think it kind of messes with Nagy's play calling too as well because if an opposing coach knows – hey, this guy is not kicking a field goal unless he's 43, 42 yards and in, and you got to get a third and six in a particular area of the field, you know, they can scheme around that and know that, you know, the Bears are not content kicking a field goal here. They have to go for it or put us in a situation where we have to go for it on fourth down. And I would just like to see us play a clean game on the return side and on the punt side. No mistakes, no penalties, you know, no big you know, flips of the field or anything, giving the defense a short field to work with, you know, with the Lions offense that can easily score. And I just, you know, week one, I think it's the little things, my man. And I just really want us to see us just run a clean game on that side and just hope that the kicking situation, if we do get our opportunities, he can connect on them 
and we're not put in a situation where Nagy has to decide between a fourth and two and a 48-yard field goal because a 48-yard field goal should be something that an NFL kicker hits. Yeah, definitely. Having Santos be there rather than Pinheiro is less than ideal. Last year was a little bit shaky for Cairo Santos, but over the majority of his career, he has proven to be a pretty consistent kicker. So we got to hope that last year was just kind of a fluke. But yeah, you're right. You know, the special teams often go overlooked. It's such an it's such a crucial part of the game. They talk about the battle of hidden yardage, and we talk about all these sorts of things. You just kind of want to. You don't want to even notice the special teams. You hope that the special teams that they just go out there, they just execute. Whether it be the kicker or the or the punt unit or or the kickoff team, that whatever whoever goes out there, that they just kind of do their job and. Don't screw things up. That's really all that we're asking. Just do your job. That's it. That's all I want. And it's so ridiculous to say that because do you have any idea how hard that is? Well, real quick, did you see Robbie Gold was talking to the media the last couple of days, and he actually mentioned that how much that kicking at Soldier Field is actually going to be harder this year because less fans in the stadium actually do not you know completely change the winds and the winds are actually going to be stiffer and blow a lot harder this year without fans in the stadium because he's kicked in an empty stadium and in a full stadium and he thinks it could be somewhere in like two to three miles per hour difference i mean it's it's a real thing and i completely understand i completely understand like where we're coming from you know it's a really hard thing to do but i mean that's your job man so how much did you miss robbie gold so deeply Oh my gosh, good as gold, right? I mean, seriously, you never 38 really to 40, 38 to 46 yeah. yards. I could turn around and go make a sandwich because I know we're good, man. I mean, 52 yards, he was never the, the boomer, but man, he was money. He was money from 48 in. Call it a You day. don't appreciate what you've had till it's gone. And we miss having just that consistent go to kicker every day. Yeah, just you don't have to think about it. You brought it up perfectly. You don't have to talk about it or think about it on a podcast or, or wherever. <laughs> In the in the middle of the night, screaming at the moon, I do want to ask you, NFL lineman, you've played in every single level football. You can talk honestly now. I want you to just walk me through the emotions of an 11-play drive. Let's just say 68-yard, no, 72-yard 11-play drive. You get stood up on third down, but great work. You run the ball, let's say, maybe seven times. You pick up some hard yards. You get there. Kicker goes out. You get to the sideline, drinking the Gatorade, feeling good. You turn around, and the dude shanks one. So emotionally, I know you don't say it with your face, right? Because you got to be a pro. We're all in this together. But emotionally inside, what happens? Oh, that kills you, man. That <laughs> kills you. Just, just knowing how hard it is, those unsung heroes up front making – holes for the running game and protecting the quarterback nothing works without these guys and they're out there for 11 plays we're talking about 300 plus pound men going out there for 11 plays that takes a, a eternity it feels like it for those for those fatties up front i can say <laughs> that respectfully because i've been one and you go around and boot one boot one into the stands and hit some poor guy trying to get a hot dog oh i I have so much respect for kickers, and I know what they do is so difficult, but come on, man. You got one shot at it. One shot at it. Don't screw this up for me, brother. Cameron, you're, you're throwing things around. Uh, you're throwing things in your room. Please, just watch out for the TV screen. You're very upset right now. I just can't imagine just how deflating 
that feels. And you know what? That is the essence of football, right? You know, it just comes down, you know, it is a team that is the team sport. It's the ultimate you, team sport. You hand the baton off to someone else and then they need to do their job. You take it so far, but you can only take it so far. You can only take it so far in the end zone for six points. He still needs to kick that seven point. And I just can only imagine that even if you like the guy, you have to just be cursing him out for a good hot 20 seconds. And then you try and regroup. Yeah, man, all of my cursing was definitely done underneath my breath. Was always a pro's pro, never had any shit to say, but damn it. You know, it's it sucks, man. It's It sucks. And you really, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it because you know you couldn't have made that kick. If I went out there and tried to kick it, man, I'd be lucky if I didn't hit the left guard in the back of the head. So, I mean... The whole next week, you're just hearing from reporters, you know, what's wrong with the offense? What's going on? You know, you guys can't finish drives. What's the deal? And you just want to be like, that guy over there just needs to hit a 34-yarder, please. Don't get me started. It's got to be frustrating. So let's get into the nuts and bolts here. Let's talk about what we think is going to transpire in this game, and then let's get some final game score predictions for week one, Bears-Lions. You know, we got our keys to success. How do you think this is going to play out And we talked about Darnell Mooney maybe catching a touchdown. Is there another X factor that you're looking at as a guy that can maybe shine week one? I don't know how – I don't necessarily know if if you can be too good to be considered an X factor for a week. But that being said, my X factor for this game is a player that I probably talk about the most of anyone on this team, and it's Akeem Hicks. I think Akeem Hicks, that matchup is going to be – I think he's going to feast. I, I made the point about going against Jonah Jackson, going against – I'm gonna should I even try to pronounce it? He's been around the league for such a long time. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a stab at it. Give me one second here. Hala Pula Pilavati Vitai. You're on your own. I'm not I'm not I'm not trying that one. I know that he's a solid right tackle. He's been in the league a while now. Is he's a he's a good player. Um but I you know, this is a this is a new group, has never been on the field in a live game before. Going against probably one of the most underrated defensive linemen that we have. I think Akeem Hicks is going to feast. I think he's going to get to the quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if we see at least one sack or two from my man Akeem. I think that he's going to be in Matt Stafford's face. I think he's going to make a big impact. And Bears fans are going to see how much they have missed him and his presence and how much he affects so much of the things that happen on the defensive side of the ball for the Chicago Bears. I do see the Bears possibly in a situation, you know, maybe giving up a touchdown in the first half, maybe the first couple of drives, getting their bearings a little bit. But I do think they can slowly start inching their way a little bit closer to Matt Stafford. X-Factor, a guy that we've talked about, really excited and interesting to watch Jalen Johnson week one. We've talked about these receivers. You know, it's at the point in his career where Kyle Fuller, I trust you, man. I really do. I, I think the guy, whatever he lacks up for in size or length or whatever you want to call it, I think his instincts make up for it. He's one of the best dudes at breaking, uh, breaking on a ball and heading towards a pass. I think he could play whoever, Galladay, Marvin Jones, really tough. And I'm just looking at Jalen Johnson on that other side. I'm not saying that he comes up with a big game, you know, two picks and w- whatever, but I think maybe, you know, a pass deflection, some sort of, you know, a tight third down play. I just want to see him out there you know, high-fiving his teammates and hopefully making some plays. And, and I think that could really go a long way to, to making this a really, really fun week one for the Bears. Yeah, when you look at the matchups, obviously, we talk about Galladay, we talk about Fuller, we talk about Marvin Jones, Jalen Johnson. Okay, how does our guy stack up? How do we compare? So we're going to throw our two best at your two best and see how we go. 
And I'm also really interested to see just what this offensive line looks like. All reports out of camp seem to be that they're trending in the right direction. You know, Cody Whitehair is at center. We kind of know what we're going to get there. We know what we're going to get from Charles Leno, Bobby Massey, but interested on those two guys at the guard positions, Ifedi and Daniels. Daniels has been getting raves, your rave reviews all through training camp. And I hope that this is the guy in his third year that really starts to come into his potential a little bit. And maybe we can see that in game action because well, he was drafted in the second round. We had high hopes for him. Yeah, I think that we have seen bits and pieces from James Daniels over these uh, first two seasons. I think he's just had to deal with some different things, being moved around positionally. There just hasn't been that sort of continuity that we often look for on the offensive line. And I think now coming in, having this more, you know, a more established role and saying, hey, this is where we want you to play this season and, and kind of getting back to a place of confidence and a, and a place of comfortability. I think that we will see him take that step forward. And I think that that interior offensive line, I think will be an upgrade from last year. I don't, you know, obviously with the, with the addition of a Fetty, it's going to be a little bit different. He's not going to be maybe the player that was the Kyle long was, but with the inconsistency and never knowing if Kyle Long's going to be in there, you know, obviously, Fetty's proven that he's in a better position than Rashad Coward. And if we're going to have Shad uh, Coward playing however many weeks last season, I think you got to say that, hey, Fetty and his consistency and his time and experience in an established uh, run-heavy offense in this league has got to be an upgrade. So I think this interior offensive line has made some steps forward in this offseason. I think they will be big, big-time contributors to this team. Yeah, stabilize that right side, it would be nice because, you know, nothing gets Trubisky flushed out of the pocket and out of his progressions quicker than, you know, you know, guys being backed up into his face on that right side. Speaking of Trubisky, before we get to final score, putting you on the spot here, give me, you know, how many touchdowns, how many passing yards for Mitch Trubisky week one? Ooh, okay. If I'm going to put a number on it, I'm going to say Mitch cracks the 200-yard mark. I'm saying 210 yards Two touchdowns. Ooh, nice. I'm saying two touchdowns as well. I was going to go 231 yards. So this is like the Price is Right situation. Whoever gets closer. I was going to say, well, what am I winning here? I know, exactly. Well, we're going to have to – maybe the good people that are listening to the pod can let us know what we should be putting online. You've on won a here. Chevy Sonic. Ugh. Yeah, maybe by the end of the season we could do some sort of like vintage T-shirt bet and see how close we can get week by week. And this is all going to be baked into it too as well. Final score. What do you got for final score? You know, I've gone over this a lot. I've kind of gone back and forth, but ultimately I'm deciding that we're going to see a 21 to 17 Chicago bears victory. Are you kidding me? It's written down in the notes. That's unbelievable. I had, okay. I had 21 17 as well, which is we're back on the agreement train. So I'm going to go maybe a little bit step further. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 23 to 17 because the over-under at betonline.ag right now is 44 for the game. I like the under on that, and I do like the Bears to come out fairly strong, play decently enough, and I do like them getting you know 10 to 13 points in the first half. And as much as I want to think you know, Trubisky is going to come out and air it out, and I do have a little bit something I like to call rationale, so I do think that it's going to be a positive above-average performance, something that I think that we're going to be able to have a lot to talk about in terms of what they can build on and improve upon. And I'm hoping that the Bears do get to that 21, 23, you know, point area. The Bears defense in the past has been so amazing, but they have been susceptible to give up that garbage touchdown with two minutes to go when they're up two touchdowns and the score looks a lot closer than it needs to be. But I do like the Bears, uh, you know, plus three to win. 
I do like taking that bet, and I do like the under at 44. So we're kind of sort of in the same same area there. Do you feel like that it's going to be the close game like that all the whole game? Do you feel like perhaps, you know, the Bears might have to come from behind at some point? Or do you kind of feel what I'm feeling? Maybe that garbage touchdown, that garbage field goal makes it feel a lot closer than it actually was. I think that if the Bears are going to be successful, they're going to have to jump out and, like we said, mitigate the risks, not put Mitch in positions where he has to do more than he can. So this is not a – I think if the Bears fall behind early, they don't have the quarterback that is proven that he can make these comebacks and win games from behind. So I think the Bears will jump out early. I hope that they are able to to sort of establish that offense like we talk so much about, you know, with – the Matt Stafford high-powered offense of the Detroit Lions, I think that they will be able to come out and respond, and hopefully uh, in winning time, I think that someone on that Bears offense steps up and you know, and is able to do whatever it takes to push them over the top. I think it's Jimmy Graham. I'm still on it. Jimmy Graham makes the play that takes them I over am the too. top. We almost got through this pod without mentioning him. So... <laughs> I have his name in playing the drinking game, the Jimmy Graham drinking game. I have his name in bold in my notes, man. He was he was going to come up whether we whether you brought him up or not. I I, I can't wait to watch him. I do think that he's going to have um, a nice little debut in a Bears uniform, and I'm certainly hoping that it uh, it happens in the end zone. I think it would definitely be really nice. And last one off the top of my head: two point five over under turnovers for the Bears, like uh, forced turnovers. Forced, yeah, on the defense. Okay, I'm gonna go under. I'm gonna go under. I, you know, I, I just like Stafford being back there, and Stafford is a little bit of a loose cannon, maybe throwing the ball all around the field a little bit. But I think that he will be able to contain himself a little bit, and just having maybe, you know, this defense. I think they're gonna get after him a little bit more. Let's say that the ball doesn't get out so many times. I, I think that I'll take the under on the two and a half turnovers. Well, then in that case, I'm going to go with the over. I'm going to go with, you know, rookie running back, toting the rock for the first time. Could possibly be a fumble situation there. I do think Matt Stafford in 18 career games against the Bears has thrown 21 interceptions. I do like that number a lot. So maybe one true interception, one fumble, and then, you know, a little tip ski or maybe something at the end of the half that we pick off. So I'm going three. I'm going over on that number. You just picked that just so we disagree. That's what, absolutely. <laughs> Drawing a line in the sand because that's what I am. I'm confrontational. And I'm confrontational new, when it comes to the Lions. That's our new segment. We're going to do a weekly disagreement. Like, well, Stephen A. and Max Kellerman style. Yeah, and we can just scream at each other. <laughs> I like that. Well, hopefully it's when the Bears are 1-0. This was the Lions and Bears preview right here on Believe in Bears episode brought to you by BetOnline.ag. This season is finally here, Cameron. I've had such a great time talking preseason with you, but now the lights are on. It's time to play. So just take us home on another great episode because we've got a lot coming that's going to be great in the future. Thank you guys for listening to the Believe in Bears podcast. Make sure you leave us a like, uh, give us a five-star rating, subscribe, and you know tell your friends. Grandma, make sure you tell your friends because I know they're out there with iPhones and they need to hear this too. Have a good night and uh, remember to bear down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Believe. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.